Hello, everybody. Welcome back into your latest episode of Locked on Colts, part of Locked on Podcast Network. Today is your host, Evan Sider, joined by a very special guest today on today's show, Dane Brugler, The Athletic. Dane, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate the time as always. And I actually had the chance, I hope you guys have all as well, to go get the athletic subscription, get the beast, Dane Brugler's draft guy, over 250 plus pages. I actually had a chance, Dane, over the last week or so to read The Beast. I've gone through pretty deep into it, and it's incredible work that you do. And how much detail do you put into that beast every year? Because when I went through and dived into it, I feel like I saw every single detail possible in these prospects. Yeah, it's, it's a labor of love, that's for sure. And, you know, it's something I start in the summer every year, and it's a year-round process. Um, you know, my, my strategy is there's no detail too small uh, because – when it comes to these prospects, uh, where they've been, everything that's happened in their careers and their lives, it helps you understand not only where they've come from, but where they're headed and you know what they can do for you on the football field. So it's not just about the analysis and the production, the stats and the metrics and things like that. It's, it's all about the background too. And uh, just all that information, it's, it's all relevant. And by no means do I try to make it wordy. Um, I think the best compliment I've received is it's a very readable uh, type of, uh, of guide. And that's, that's what I, that's my goal is to make, make it very readable. So uh, if you don't know anything about a player, uh, when you read my report, you come away thinking, okay, well now I have a picture in my mind of what he is and what he can be. And, and so that, that's the goal with the guide. And so hopefully everyone checks it out. Yeah, the Beast Draft Guide. I've had, I've had a chance to go do it. You guys should go do so as well. It's, it's really amazing work, Dan, and I congratulate you on, on really seeing it once more. But I wanted to dive in today on today's show with you, Dane, talk about the offense and the skill players specifically. And we're less than two weeks away from the draft now, and I want to get your overall thoughts on some polarizing quarterback prospects here because a guy, Jordan Love, has been all over the board, seems like. Either he's a, a top 15, top 20 pick, or he's a late first, early second round pick. The more you've dove in on the tape, I know you covered it a lot on the Beast as well, but What's your overall thoughts on Jordan Love now as we're getting closer and closer to the draft? Where do you fall on him? Um, you know, my opinion hasn't changed much of the process. Um, I, I had him uh, in starting in November when I did one of those uh, draft boards. It was or back in the fall. It was Jordan Love and then Herbert back to back in my rankings, very closely rated. And then at the Senior Bowl, leaving the Senior Bowl, I flipped them. Um, Herbert was just ahead of Love and. I still think that love, I love his potential. I love what he could be. The, the, the upside of that he offers with those traits is certainly enticing. Um, but it's just a matter of, can you get him there? And, you know, getting him to eliminate some of those poor decisions, getting him to, um, you know, understand when to take chances, when not to. Um, and it's fascinating to me, if you flipped his redshirt sophomore season and his redshirt junior season, you know, how we would view these guys or how we would view him much differently. He'd be a top 10 lock because uh, as a redshirt sophomore, he had what, 32 to six uh, touchdown interception ratio. And then he goes back for his redshirt junior year and with a brand new supporting cast around him, only one returning starter on offense, a brand new coaching staff. And you see him press a lot on the field. And that showed up in the, in the stats too, at 20 to 17 touchdown to interception ratio this past year. So there's so much to like about Jordan Love. It's just you need to get past some of the the flaws in his game. And that's something that coaching in the NFL might fix, but it's a projection. So uh, I'm a big fan of Jordan Love. Still like him at some point in the first round. But trying to peg where he's ultimately going to end up is is tough uh, because, you know, you 
the the Colts no longer having their 13th overall pick. Uh, the Bucks aren't taking a quarterback at 14. With the Raiders uh, roll the dice, uh, with the Patriots. I mean, there's just so much intrigue with these quarterbacks and where they might end up. But, uh, I mean, there's a lot of Jordan. I think the best way to sum up Jordan Love and just talking with people around the league about him, there are a lot of people that like him. Kind of hard to find people that love him. Okay. Yeah, that's a really good point to bring up there about like versus love. And, and the guy with Jordan Love, I just want to throw this hypothetical scenario away, Dan, because I wonder, let's say if Love slips past New England and New Orleans 23-24, do you think if you're in Chris Ballard's shoes there, obviously it depends on if he loves the prospect or not, but – it, it, let's say if he did like Jordan Love, do you think there's a really good possibility if he does slip past those QB needy teams like a like a Saints or a Pack or a Patriots who maybe need a future QB one in place for their veteran? Do you think maybe that makes sense that if he does move down to the mid late twenties, you could see a move up? Certainly, and you know it's obviously we don't know how uh, exactly uh, Chris Ballard feels about Jordan Love, but you know if you feel like Jordan Love can potentially be your future of your franchise and you believe in the talent, you believe in the kid, then that would make a ton of sense. Uh, sitting there at 34, uh, you know, do you have to give up that, uh, that your other second round pick? Can you give up maybe a third and a fourth, a third and next year's two, or, you know, you have to be a little creative uh, of how you're going to get up from 34 to 24, 25, whatever it ends up being. But, you know, it's not only are you, uh, you getting your quarterback uh, before anybody else snatches him up, but you're getting that fifth-year option too, which is obviously important when it comes to uh, especially a quarterback who's viewed as more of a developmental guy who's not going to, you know, hopefully, you know, if you draft Jordan Love, you're hoping he doesn't see the field uh, as a rookie. So uh, unless it's the fourth quarter and it's a blowout. So, you know, it's you hope to get that fifth-year option as part of it. So I certainly think that is a possibility that they could go. Um, just be interesting to see at what point do you make that trade up you know, if he gets past uh, New Orleans, uh, you know, do you let him get to 28-29? You know, at what point do you feel comfortable making that move so you're not costing yourself more than you need to in terms of a trade-up? Looking at two other prospects here, Dame, likely to go round two, round three range, Jacob Eason, Jalen Hurts. What are you, your thoughts on those two prospects here? Because who would you bank on being more of a – having the franchise quarterback qualities if you had them sit for a year or two? Yeah, that's tough uh, because with with Hurts, I, I feel really good about the football character, um, the competitiveness, the toughness. I mean, I, that's just a guy I want on my team. Uh, I want him around my my other players. I want him in my quarterback room. I just when you watch his film, he just he, he's so late throwing the football. Um, his anticipation's not there. Um, you know, he's uh, he, guys are coming open. And he's just not seeing it quick enough. And you know, he can get better at that. But in the NFL, when everything's so much quicker. Is he going to be able to make the necessary adjustments in terms of his passing anticipation, his coverage reads? Um, you know, I'm not closing the door completely on that, but it's just it's something we don't always see from these quarterbacks. Um, but then with Jacob Eason, it's a little tougher because he has more of the natural gifts. You know, he looks the part, has the has the size, has the arm power. He's basically a bigger, slower Matthew Stafford, and. Emphasis on slower, and that's that, to me that's the biggest part of his game that I worry about uh, translating because when he's under duress, when the pressure is bearing down on him, you really worry about his ability to find those second chance throws, to negotiate the pocket, and uh, you know he's not a statue, but he's not exactly mobile either, and so it's not just 
what his 40 time was or his workouts. It's more the ability to uh, have the athleticism within the pocket. And that's something that not every quarterback can do. And I think he can get better, but it's one of those things where is he only going to get better with on-field reps? Um, and so does he have to be on the field to, to do that? And so you have to take your lumps with, with the Jacob Easton before he's going to get better. So, uh, you know, I struggle with both quarterbacks because there's, they both have areas of concern where it's, it's a big leap uh, in terms of getting better at the NFL level. So can they do it? I think they can, but it's, it's very tough to do. And, you know, the reason why we're talking about these guys as day two picks, not day one picks. Another player on the list here, I've just gone back and listened to like what Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni, Chris Bauer have all said about what they really covet in quarterbacks, Dane, and accuracy, cognitive ability, processing, high character leadership. I think of a guy like Jake Fromm, he maybe he's flying under the radar there as a fit here, maybe as a prospect overall, but he doesn't have the juice for arm strength like Jacob Eason does. But I feel like if, if we're talking about accuracy and processing ability and leadership, I feel like Jake Fromm checks a lot of those boxes. And then he had him going in one year mock drafts before Dane to the Colts of 44. How do you like Fromm? Do you feel like he's more of a, a West Coast offense fit like in Frank Reich's system? Do you think he'd do well there? Yeah, I do. If if they do not go Jordan Love, uh, whether early second or if they trade up for him, if they do not go Jordan Love, I think Jake Fromm would be the the quarterback that makes the next most sense uh, for the Colts. Uh, I, you know, I I think you you kind of nailed it with your your, your uh, thumbnail on him. I mean, he's not going to impress you physically. He's not the biggest. His arm is average at best. Um, his mobility is okay, uh, but what impresses you is his football knowledge, uh, how smart he is, and then how accurate he is, especially when he's in rhythm, and that's he needs an offense with those West Coast principles where it's going to be an emphasis on timing, it's going to be an emphasis on rhythm, and when he stays within rhythm in the context of the play, he, he can be productive, and he can push the ball downfield and move the chains and that's, that's the understanding of what the defense is trying to do, understanding of protections. That's something that a lot of college quarterbacks uh, coming into the league, they don't have. But with Fromm, he's so far advanced in that area. So, you know, I think with the, with the Jake Fromm, he's not going to be the sexiest quarterback. I imagine if he's drafted wherever he's drafted, second, third round, uh, the team, there might be a lot of fans of that team that just grown and are just not excited about it. But I'm I'm a little bullish on Fromm because I think he's there's he, he can start in this league. It just does he have the ceiling of a guy that can lead you to division titles or is he kind of maxed out? That that's the bigger question for me with Fromm. Um, and that's you know uh, kind of similar to I guess like a Jacoby Brissett, um, similar to a lot of these other guys where coming into the league you thought they were you liked the talent. It's just how good can they be? What's their ceiling as an NFL player? Fromm is kind of in that mold, but. I think it'd be a good situation in Indianapolis where he potentially uh, emerge as a starting quality player. The final two quarterbacks are one to discuss with you, Dane, as far as this goes is James Morgan and Anthony Gordon, because I feel like those are two quarterbacks that have a realistic chance of being Colts. If the, they bat, bypass it on day one and day two of the draft and then wait till round four, round five, what are, you, what are your thoughts on a guy like Gordon and Morgan? Because it feels like those two guys are the developmental guys who get our, who are getting a lot of hype around scouting circles over the last few months. Yeah, two of my favorite um, day three quarterbacks in this class. With Anthony Gordon, he's kind of taken the Gardner Minshew route uh, to the NFL. Only a one-year starter at Washington State. Uh, obviously, there are questions about how will he perform outside of Mike Leach's system. Uh, but you like the confidence that he plays with. You like the timing, the touch. 
uh, he's got a very quick release. Um, and the production that he put together, just I don't think we talk enough about how he broke Pac-12 records that were previously held by guys with the name Andrew Luck, Marcus Mariota, Jared Goff, Gardner Minshew. I mean, he broke their records. And so, you know, yes, he played in a system that was very friendly to pushing the ball downfield and putting the ball in the air. But he's he's got talent to go with it. He's not just a product of that system. So I, I think Anthony Gordon somewhere on day three um, is worth that gamble. And then with James Morgan, he would be he's a developmental guy that you uh, that a lot of teams are going to target because uh, he has a size. He's six four two thirty. He has the arm, and I think he has the smarts. Uh, you know, he has what it takes above the neck to develop into uh, an NFL starter. Um, it, it's going to take time, and it's a gamble because he is by far uh, you know, not a sure thing and he needs to stay healthy. That's something that hurt him a little bit at FIU, but he has at least some of the traits that uh, could be a starter down the line. If he becomes a better decision maker um, and you know, some of the things we talked about earlier, but you just like the price tag better with a James Morgan, because he's not going to be off the board until the fifth or sixth round uh, as opposed to some of these other guys who would have to go on day two. So with a James Morgan, you know, love the value of a fifth or sixth rounder. And, you know, his chances are not much better than some of these other quarterbacks, but because the value is so low, I think you're willing to take that chance. Pivoting the tight ends here for a few minutes, Dane, because I feel like this class is not only playing of the rare, but I feel like it's also one of the weaker spots of this draft. After Cole Komet, Bryson Hopkins, Adam Trevin is the number one tight end. Because that kind of falls off a lot as far as like high end tight end production goes, but let's start off with Adam Troutman for a second, the Dayton tight end. What'd you like most about Troutman's game? And we went back and watched the film. Well, and I was told about Troutman over the summer. And so I watched him and I really intrigued by him, Um, you know, got on the phone with him in September and I actually wrote up a piece on the athletic about him back then. Um, But he's just such a love his journey. You know, he never caught a football in a game until his, was redshirt freshman year at Dayton. Um, you know, he's always the quarterback. And so it, it took him time to adjust, but he, he was a quick, quick study, uh, led the team in receiving each of the last three years, uh, goes to the senior bowl and does not look outmatched. Uh, his route athleticism, uh, he's not, not going to be a guy that just runs by uh, uh, safeties down the seam. That's just not his game, but he can uncover in short spaces, uh, very good ball skills. Love the competitiveness that he has. Uh, he, you know, he he fits what NFL teams are looking for in terms of that energy, uh, both as a blocker and as a receiver. Just a guy that you uh, want to add to your room. So uh, I, I think Adam Troutman, he's he's competing to be that first tight end. Uh, him and Cole Komet, I, I think you know, you talk to different teams, you get different answers. But um, you know, I, I think he's an interesting player that if you can get past the decal on the helmet, you know, coming from the FCS level, you know, he's a guy that could be the first tight end drafted somewhere in the top sixty. With Cole Komet, especially, I feel like he's an intriguing prospect. You compared him to Jason Witten in your beast draft guy as far as the role he could be right away. Do you feel like Komet could walk into an offense day one and be like that that tight end one, tight end two, move tight end? Yeah, and I, I don't think that um, – you know, I think what's interesting with Cole Komet is he's always been a, a multi-sport athlete. And for the first time in his life, uh, right now, he's a one-sport athlete, which has never happened for him before. And so for him to focus just on football moving forward – I think is going to help him a ton. Um, but you all watching him at Notre Dame, you already like what you see. And so the fact that he's going to be focusing, cause he was a big baseball player uh, for the Irish too. Now that he's going to be just focused on football, I, I think that's going to help him uh, in his development in terms of his route running, um, you know, very good speed. 
Uh, he's, he's a guy that has the size. He's a very projectable body. Um, there's things about him that he needs to get better at, um, specifically his routes and just uh, you know, better setting up defenders so he can give the quarterback just that sliver of space uh, where he can give him a target. So the, there are things you worry about. And, uh, you know, I think he's – he maybe he goes top 50, top 60, or maybe he falls to the early portion of the third round. Either way, um, you know, both these players are quality guys that uh, are going to push for – I mean, I don't know that they're tight end one from day one. I think they're more likely probably tight end two. Uh, and then, you know, they're going to work their way up as they get more NFL experience and, and get better. So this is not a great tight end group. Um, I don't know if there's any tight ends in this class. They're going to step in from day one and be your tight end one and, uh, you know, really wow you. But there's some quality talent that can round out your tight end depth chart and uh, potentially move up uh, uh, passing a tight end two or maybe even a tight end one uh, someday. As we all know, the Colts offense, Dane, they love using multiple tight ends, especially with Eric Ebron the last two years before he went to Pittsburgh. They love flexing guys out into the big slot, moving them around, going vertical a lot. And I feel like these two guys fit in that category. Bryson Hopkins of Purdue, Albert O of Missouri. How would you cluster those two players? I feel like both of them could really fill that role. Yeah, I agree. And I'd even throw Harrison Bryant in there from FIU. Um, and Albert O is, he, he put himself on the map as a redshirt freshman uh, with, uh, you know, they couldn't keep him out of the end zone. And the last two years, he kind of leveled off a little bit, maybe didn't live up to the hype uh, that you know, was kind of set for him so early. But he's the guy that can run the seam. I just, I wish there was more urgency to his route running. Um, but he's a guy that can run by guys. Uh, and that showed at the combine when he ran the four four nine. Uh, at six five and a half, two hundred and fifty eight pounds. So uh, Alberto certainly has that juice, and I, as long as he buys in, I, I think he can get better. Hopkins, I'm a little more. I'm not. I'm not as high on him as some others. Um, I think he's almost that big slot where I just I don't know if he's going to be able to handle the inline responsibilities that you know some teams are going to want him for. So I think he's more of that bulked up receiver than traditional tight end. And that's okay. I mean, you can, in today's NFL teams are looking for that. So if that's the fit, then maybe he goes higher than, uh, you know, the fourth round, fifth round where I see him going. Um, but you know, he's, uh, ha- has some, uh, you know, NFL bloodlines in him. Uh, he grew up around the game. Uh, so there's plenty to like about him. I just, I don't know. I see him as more of a downfield threat more so than a guy that's going to do the dirty work uh, underneath and then in the trenches. Moving on the wider series here to finish up the show, Dan, appreciate the time here. Brennan Ayuk of Arizona State is a player who I'm really starting to love more and more that I watch him just so explosive with the ball in his hands, runs like a running back, very tough, never really drops passes that much. I feel like he's a really good fit for the Colts. He's there at 34, but I think there's a lot of growing buzz in the scouting community, Dan. He's probably a round one player. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I can see Brandon Ayuk going off the board. There, I, there, I've talked to teams. I think he's going to go into the top 20. Um, you know, I, I think that you look at the Eagles at 21, uh, the Vikings at 22, the Packers uh, at the end of the first round. There's several landmines uh, that would be in the way for him to fall to the early second round. But at the same time, I could see it happening just because a lot of these teams see the wide receiver position as a position that's going to stretch. And so they might be more inclined to go with an offensive tackle or a pass rusher or another, another position that's not going to stretch as much. And they feel comfortable with their day two options at the position. Um, but if uh, Ayuk were to fall to them, yeah, I agree. I think that'd be a great fit. He, 
six foot two oh five. Uh, he ran a four five zero at the combine, but he's faster than that. I think he missed the Senior Bowl with that core muscle injury. Uh, he worked out at the combine with it, so worked through it, and then had surgery uh, just not too long ago here. So you know, it's it's not something that you worry about long term. Shouldn't be anything that causes him to drop uh, too far, at least. But yeah, I think he's. You mentioned how he runs like a running back. And that's that's so true. He's one of the best yak receivers uh, coming out of college uh, the past few years. He turns simple slants into 70-yard plays, uh, but he also has the tracking skills where he can be a legit deep threat. Uh, there's just so much to like about Ayuk, uh, both as an underneath player, as a deep player. And I, you get the feeling that he has not played his best football yet. So, you know, he should continue to get better and better. You love the length that he plays with. Uh, he's got 33 and a half inch arms, 80 inch wingspan, which that'll make some offensive tackles jealous. There, there's just a lot to like about Brandon Ayuk. It, do, it doesn't take much to sell him. I think another player on this list that I wrote down, we should talk about in the wide receiver category, Dane, was Brian Edwards of South Carolina. I know he hasn't had the chance to show himself in the, the combine process or really anything else outside of interviews, but you look at the production, you look at his character and the tape, it seems like he's a very intriguing round three prospect. He could slip a little bit due to injuries. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of been out of sight, out of mind with, with Brian Edwards because, uh, like you set up, he, he missed the senior bowl. Uh, we had a minor knee issue. He missed the combine. Uh, we, his training for the combine broke his foot. So uh, he's hasn't had the chance to show off what he can do, but teams just have to throw on the tape the last four years. Uh, I mean, he's South Carolina's all-time leading receiver. Uh, love the toughness that he plays with. Uh, he's a team captain. Uh, he can play inside, outside, can work the middle of the field. Uh, love the physicality. He can do the dirty work. So as long as the durability is okay, the medicals pass, uh, and you know there's no long-term effects with the foot or anything like that, yeah, I think Brian Edwards is being very overlooked right now. Um, and it's easy to do in a receiver class like this. Um, and we'll see how the top seniors come off the board. You know, I really like Michael Pittman. Uh, Chase Claypool's helped himself quite a bit. But besides that, Brian Edwards should be right near the top of the list as that being one of the top senior receivers this year. Yeah, speaking of Michael Pittman, I'm glad you brought him up there, Dane, because I think he's one of my other favorite fits for this Colts team because he checks all the boxes from a character standpoint, team captain, senior bowl success. And he also produced very well at USC this last year, 101 receptions, 12 touchdowns. I feel like he's a very good fit, not only with Philip Rivers here, but also just a long-term fit in Indianapolis because the Colts have been missing that big body target for years and Pittman being reliable hands there. It feels like he could really do a lot more than just being a vertical threat. Yeah, and he's kind of exactly what they're looking for, right? You know, they have the T.Y. Hilton. Uh, they just need that power forward uh, on the outside who can out-rebound the football downfield, and that's Michael Pitt. Uh, you know, he's a guy at 6'4", 225, who has the production, has speed. For a guy that size, he has a sub-seven-second three-cone. He ran a four-five-two. I mean, it's, he's not a bad athlete. Now, he's not going to separate at will like – Jerry Judy, that's not his game, but he will, uh, you know, expand his catch point and uh, really uh, out out lead defenders, out physical them at the catch point. Uh, so with Michael Pittman, I just think he's the perfect fit for Indianapolis. What they're looking for, uh, you know, the complement uh, what they already have on the roster, and that he would be an instant uh, an instant fit. You know, so we we talk so much about first round, second round, third round. All that matters is you know, can you find the right fit? And Michael Pittman, uh, you know, he might be bummed he didn't go in the top 40 picks, but if he's still there for the Colts with that second, second rounder, 
I mean, that would, who cares? You're going to a great, op, a great organization with a great opportunity in front of you that I think would just be just a great fit. And, one, and if it happens, it'd be one of my favorite uh, picks of the entire draft. Two of these wideouts here, Dana, I feel like are very polarizing right now because LaVisca Chenault with his injury history, you don't know really where he's going to go at this point. T Higgins, his lack of explosiveness and his combine performances and his pro day kind of raised some eyebrows as far as what he could do in the next level. How do you cluster Chenault and Higgins and what do you think their upside could be in this uh, cold system if they were to land there? Yeah, and Chanel, I mean, yeah, you, you hit on how uh, the durability factor is something that, that matters. Um, it, it's part of his profile. Um, it, it's it, Coming into the year, over the summer, I had Chanel ranked as my number one receiver. Um, ahead of, it, it, coming in, into the year was Chanel, Lamb, Judy for me. Those are the top three. And with Chanel, I think the talent is first-round worthy. It just comes down to – reliability and durability. Can you trust him to stay on the football field? Because if you can, he would go in the first round, no question in my mind. Uh, when the ball's in his hands, he just he has different ball instincts than most receivers. It's really impressive to watch. Uh, he's not going to be – he's not like a 4-3 guy, but he's built really well. He's so impressively built, 6'1", 227, um, you know, decent speed. He's probably a 4-4-8 to 4-5-2, somewhere in there. Um, you ran a four five eight at the combine, but you know he's working through the injury stuff. So you know I, I'm not worried about his speed, um, but he's not a, a burner either. He wins with his lower body toughness or his lower body power, his run toughness. Um, he has a little burst to him. Uh, talking about being a running back after the catch, that's what Lavisca Chenault is. Uh, so he's just he's so impressive. It's just can he stay healthy? That's the big question mark with him. And who was the other receiver you asked about? Uh, T Higgins. Yeah, and Higgins, he's 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 tough. Uh, you see what it's easy to see why Higgins was productive at Clemson. He he looks like a uh, you know a small forward uh, in the, on the football field. Uh, a little finesse, but you like the size and the length. Uh, how long he is, his catch radius, his reflexes. Uh, but he's not. It's not going to guy that's going to run past anybody. He's going to have to struggle. He's going to struggle to separate. He's going to struggle to out physical players. But if you have a quarterback that trusts him and puts him in, in, you know, puts the ball in the right position, Higgins is going to go get it above uh, any DB out there. So I think he does bring value. He's just more of a one-dimensional type of player, and that's okay. You can win with guys like that. You know, you, you that type of player can be a weapon for you. It's just I don't think he's as diverse of a weapon as some of these other receivers. Final while on the list here, Dane, Jalen Rager of TCU. An interesting case study, at least for me when I watched him, because just horrible quarterback play, at least inconsistent play he had to deal with, but also the drops were an issue. So I think it's an interesting evaluation of like how you balance out the drops, but also his quarterback play there. Right, and I, I think it's it, – imagine what he's going to feel like when he – wherever he goes. Uh, the, the jump in quarterback talent from what he saw last year to this upcoming season is going to blow his mind. Uh, and, and so it's something that will really help him, obviously, um, coming from a, a freshman quarterback to an NFL starter. Uh, he's, he's a player that you just want to get the ball in his hands and, and let him create. He can be a deep threat. He, he can be someone that creates after the catch. I, I think the, the drops, that is something that is a valid concern. Um, but I do love the way he will attack the football. He does not wait for it to get to him. He high points well. Uh, he will out physical guys, even though he doesn't look like much. He's 5'11", 205. But he will go attack the football. Love that dog mentality in him. Uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. A very passionate competitor. 
so it just needs to be more consistent, improve on like the little things uh, at the position. And if he can do that, he's going to be a productive pro. Any deep sleepers you had in mind, Dan? I know we touched on a lot of day two, early day one guys possibly, but any deep sleepers you had in mind for this wild group? Because I know it lasts until the fourth, fifth round with a lot of good talent here. Oh, no, but no doubt. And a guy like James Prochet, who I love out of SMU, you know, he might be available in the fifth round, which he, and he might have the best ball skills of any receiver in this class. Not the biggest guy, five, ten and a half, two hundred pounds, but love the way he competes. And I don't know, is there that big of a difference between Jalen Rager and, and Prochet? Uh, I mean, I, I think there is a little bit, but not to the extent of where they're probably going to be drafted. Um, I think John Hightower, if he can stay clean off the field and, you know, keep, uh, his ducks in a row. He can be a productive pro because of his speed type of guy that can stretch out the secondary. Um, and then even when you get into like the deep, deep rounds, uh, sixth, seventh round, even uh, PFAs, a guy that's interesting is Josh Pearson from Jacksonville State who had struggled to get on the field. But then once he did the last two years, he blew up. He had 30 touchdowns combined uh, the last two seasons. Then he blew up his, his, uh, his pro day, six, three and a half, 205 pounds. And he went ran a four four six and had a forty one inch vert. So uh, I think he'd be he's a player to watch in the later rounds that could be a steal. You guys can go follow Dane on Twitter at DP Brugler. Go ahead and subscribe to the Athletic. Go get that draft guide, his beast draft guide, because I already, like I said, digested it. And it's incredible stuff, Dane. I want to again, I want to congratulate you about that. It's really awesome. And thanks again for coming on. I know it's ten days for the draft here, but it's coming quick. And I really appreciate you coming on here. I'm a big fan of your work. Anytime. Thanks, Evan.